Ain't nothing free in the world but time. And depending on how the Texans spend it, it could potentially have this roster much more competitive in 2023. Cody and I discussed free agency and how Houston can continue its winning streak of good business decisions as of late. And to tie it all in, we want to develop a great team here that we can deliver wins to the city of Houston. We want to deliver a championship here to the city of Houston, and that's what it, that's what it'll be about. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Tuesday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Say it with me, your team every day. day. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports book of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm John Hickman. Of course, I'm joined by, joined by who? Cody Davis, here to discuss your Houston Texans. Since 2019, there have been three QBs to make the Super Bowl on rookie deals. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and as of Sunday, Jalen Hurts. And I thought that was a great game. Hate it came oh, down to that last Lord. minute call. He but put on a phenomenal performance. He is undoubtedly an <laughs> NFL quarterback. And so top, is it is I say top 10, man. I don't think I can name 10 quarterbacks better than him right now. I don't know. That's a conversation to be had. Shout out to Lamar Jackson. I think that LJ is still number two in the league. But since 2019, three quarterbacks have made the Super Bowl on rookie deals. Just gave you guys who those quarterbacks were. For Hurts, Jalen Hurts Super Bowl run in 2022, the Eagles went out, signed, or traded for the following. Hassan Reddick played a huge part to the success of this defense this year. Kazir White, James Bradbury, who, you know, Admitted at the end that it was a holding call and the flag should have been thrown. But they also went out and traded for mm-hmm. A.J. Brown, and then they traded for C.J. Gardner-Johnson. For the Bengals and Joe Burrow, Trey Hend- Hendrickson, uh, the cornerback Owuzi, Mike Hilton, and Larry Ongabujabi, right, for the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. That Super Bowl run, Rashard Breeland, Tyron Matthew, Alex Okafor, traded for Frank Clark and signed LaShawn McCoy in the season. We've discussed many possibilities about what the Texans should do with that number two overall pick, but the smartest decision is drafting a quarterback and following the formula that works. Mm. Rookie deal QBs, use the money that you finally have to build a team. Cody, what are your thoughts on Houston going QB2 and using the free agency and this offseason to build a roster? Um, I think that is the number one path that they should do. You already gave the list of three quarterbacks in the span of four years who were on rookie deals that actually brought their teams to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, the record right now stands at one and two. But at the end of the day, you cannot deny the fact that over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about trends and how the Houston Texans can actually be part of this new trend. And this is one of them. You get a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal and build around them. And, John, for me personally, I think the Houston Texans, in terms of the sake of this argument, I think they could possibly be on on the trajectory to be in the Super Bowl in the next, let's say, two, three, maybe four years from now. Because if they go number – if they take a quarterback at number two, you get C.J. or Bryce – 
um, they would actually have an opportunity to build around that young quarterback. Now, of course, a lot of this is going to go into the argument and goes into the consideration as to whether or not Bryce Young and CJ can live up to the high expectations everybody have for them entering the NFL. But I do believe if you put them in the right system, give them the right head coach, put weapons around them, they're going to be just as good, if not better, than what people think they're going to be entering the draft. Now, John, as I just mentioned, outside of a quarterback on a rookie deal, I think the Texans already have the foundation in place. First and foremost, you already have have the head coach in D'Amico Ryans, who is already very respectable. Yes, I understand he hasn't hasn't coached a game as of right now, but in terms of the respectability that he has, in terms of having the city of Houston be more so of a free agency destination by saying, you know what? I know the Texans had a lot of shenanigans and a lot of craziness going on over the last two years, the last three years. However, in terms of them having the right head coach that brings that respectability, that means they're going to have an opportunity to bring some good, valuable free agents around. And not only that, I also believe that the good talent that the Texans have as of right now they got to find a way to keep them. Over the last two to three seasons, you already know the story. We have seen several good and all-pro talent walk out that door off of 610 and Kirby. However, now they need to find a way to keep their good talents in-house, i.e. Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howell. We just had this conversation a couple weeks ago. But the biggest thing to me in terms of how – Nick Casario, D'Amico Ryans, and the rest of the Houston Texans can build a Super Bowl caliber team. This is the biggest part to me. A lot of their most important players over the next two to three years will still be on rookie contracts. Um, For the sake of this argument, once again, Bryce Young or CJ, for the sake of this argument, I'm going to take Bryce. So you're telling me in the next two to three years, the Houston Texans could potentially have Bryce Young at quarterback, Damian Pierce at running back, Keon Green on your offensive line, and I do believe he's going to take the take the next step forward. You look at your wide receiving core. You have John Metchie, who at that time, I'm pretty sure he would definitely start reaching the peak and the potential of what he could possibly be in the NFL. I'm, a, I'm even going to throw Nico Collins in this because we saw the, the progression that he took in his second season. However, of course, it all depends on him staying healthy, but that's just on offense. Take a look at the defensive side of the ball. At cornerback, Derek Stanley, safety, Jalen Peacher, linebacker, Christian Harris. And that's just the young rookies and the sophomores that the Houston Texans have as of right now. That's not including the great talent that they're going to have an opportunity to draft this year and a year after that. So, you know, I'm not about to sit here and say that in the next two to three, possibly four years from now, we'd be sitting here looking at the Houston Texans in the Super Bowl. However, if D'Amico Ryan's live up to his expectations as a head coach. You go out and draft your, your, your quarterback. You already have young, valuable pieces already on his roster. And, of course, you knock it out in the ballpark over the next two to three years in free agency. I would say the Texans at least have, have a chance to be represented in the Super Bowl in the next three to four years. And let's go directly to the Philadelphia Eagles. Because when we look at the, the what the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs were able to do before their Super Bowl run, the first go round, you look directly at Andy Reid, right? Mm-hmm. The thing about Andy Reid is he's been in the NFL for a very long time, and he's super respected, right? Coached in the Super Bowl before actually winning, coaching Philly, kind of went full circle by beating Philly, mm-hmm. Philly in the uh, this past Super Bowl. But when you look at what the 
uh, Philadelphia Eagles were able to do this past offseason, you got to give kudos and a hand clap over to Howie Roseman. And so I wanted to bring mm -hmm. Howie Roseman up because this is the perfect opportunity for Nick Casario to really step out of the shadow of everybody under the tree, coaching tree, organization tree, Bill Belichick, and make these moves like a A.J. Brown, right? Brought A.J. Brown in for Philly this year. Well, let's go out there and see if you can make a trade for who? That man that play, plays for the Bengals and um, and T. Higgins, right? You, may, you can look at uh, Hassan Riddick or Kazai White or uh, James Bradbury. Like, those were decisions and moves that made. And, and C.J. Gardner, by the way, those were decisions and moves that were made this past offseason that helped Philly get to where they are right now. So maybe it's not a C.J., but maybe it's just, hey, Jimmy Ward, I know you don't want to play nickel no more. You want to get back to playing safety. Come on over to Houston, right? Things like that, boosting that defensive line. Hey, I know you may want to stay with the team that drafted you, Deron Payne, but we got an opportunity to do something special here. And I'm, I'm just throwing Deron Payne out because he's one of the favorites that I would like Houston to get mm -hmm. if it's not New England. But overall, this is an opportunity for Nick Casario, who doesn't now have to hold the hand of a coach, can strictly be the general manager of a football franchise, trust his head coach, and now they have an opportunity to build off one another. I know what you want. You know what I like. We can make this roster work. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can do great things. But sometimes, let's be honest, life can get you bogged down a little bit and you may feel overwhelmed or you're not really showing up in the way that you want to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of yourself because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything life can throw at you. I want to shout out to BetterHelp, man. I am a huge advocate of therapy, and the reason why I like BetterHelp is because it's convenient. It's flexible. Y'all go in y'all pockets right now. <laughs> life is hitting you up in them pockets, man, inflation, but it's also affordable and it's entirely online just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a therapist today and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if you want to live a more empowered life therapy can help you get there visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash locked on today Welcome back in, Locked On Texans listeners and viewers out there. I want to take this time to shout out my boy Cody Davis, man. The hardest working young brother in the city of Houston, covering two teams who, if we're being completely honest, ain't much, much of watching. Boy. So that's boy. a struggle, getting it done. <laughs> and some of y'all may not know, Cody Davis helped get the rugby team here in Houston, the Houston Sabercats off the ground in terms of their communication. So today's episode in Black History, <laughs> celebrating Cody Davis. What's, that, what's that middle name? Montel. No, the M stands for Mamba Mentality. There you go. <laughs> there you go, man. So with, with free agency coming up, let's get back to the Texans. With free agency coming up, Houston is having roughly $33 million in cap space to really booster that team. And I think uh, between $10 million or $11 million of that money as of right now, it's going towards the draft. So Houston is kind of sitting around $22, $23 million. And what they can do in free agency that's coming up, then they'll be able to make some moves, like moving on from Justin Bread, you know, things like that, that. So they can, you know, the smart decisions, right? That's that's, that's today's show theme, the smart decisions <laughs> to get better. 
but making those moves to increase their cap space. Uh, they're looking to boost his roster. I look at free agency, the free agent market right now, and I'm underwhelmed as I look at the offensive side of the ball compared to the defensive side of the ball. So I think it's very important that Houston takes this free agency to focus on upgrading that defense, and I believe that they can do so at each of the three levels on the defensive side of the ball. Now, when we look at the Texans' defensive ranks last year, the Texans' defensive rankings last year, 27th in total defense, nearly 380 total yards per game allowed onto the defensive side of the ball, 170 yards on the ground per game, five yards per carry, allow 48 touchdowns tied for the fifth highest in the NFL. That is not good. And and let's compare this to what D'Amico Ryans was able to do with his defensive unit last year. First in total defensive rankings, only allowed 31 touchdowns compared to Houston's 48. 78 rushing yards allowed last year, 3.7 yards per carry. I think that is the most important stat to look at when we judge D'Amico Ryans this year. Can he bring that 170 down? Can Mm. this defense improve on tackling, getting to their spots, bullying uh, the the, the, the opposing offensive lineman or whoever on the offensive side to get to the hole and make plays and bring that 170 down? The success that the uh, 49ers were able to have last year is something that I'm really looking looking forward to see D'Amico bring over to this team 16 points per game 299 yards allowed per game last year when i look at the defense not only is it overwhelming in terms of talent in this free agency pool but this is also houston's biggest issue and i think that when you look at a defensive minded coach like D'Amico ryan's who wants to come in day one set a new tone set a new culture it has to start on the defensive side of the ball so this year defense is the priority for Uh, free agency in my opinion and this is the conversation cody and i will talk about tomorrow Hmm. um i understand your concerns on defense but i've been under the impression that the texans they have solid talent on the defensive side of the ball um and of course without a doubt you're going to continue improving that talent um but when i take a look at this offense especially considering even more so now look i'm all for the hiring of the miko rise you guys know that we've been talking about that what about two weeks before the man got hired and all this other good stuff? I'm all for D'Amico Ryan's, but at the end of the day, he is a defensive minded coach. And when you take a look at how awful the Texans have been on offense since what 2020, Deshaun Watson's last year here in Houston, um, that's where they need a lot of help at. And in the first segment, we talked about the Texans bringing in a rookie quarterback and how you build around them on their rookie deal in hopes of making the Super Bowl in the next three to four years or whatever the case might be. Um, they're going to have to do something about the offense, more so with their wide receiving core. Um, this wide receiving core, John, I, I didn't want to believe it, though at training camp when you mentioned it, but of course, throughout the season, you was right. That wide receiving core was not good brandon cooks was of course your number one wide receiver um started off the season okay but you can tell that at this stage in his career brandon cooks has lost a step plus you got to take into consideration half the damn season he act like he didn't want to be here so that 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 ended with him 
finishing a season with a team high 700 receiving yards. But your next two pass catchers was Chris Moore at 548 and Jordan Aikens at 494. No disrespect to Chris Moore and Jordan Aikens, but in terms of putting your potential new quarterback in the position to succeed, you don't want Chris Moore to be your second best wide receiver, and you damn sure don't want your tight end Jordan Aikens to be that high, reliable as your pass catchers. By the way, speaking of Jordan Aikens, he did lead the team for receiving touchdowns with five on the year. With all that being said, that is where I do believe the Houston Texans should focus on improving throughout free agency. And, of course, you take a look at that backfield. Damian Pierce. Did a damn good job. I do believe if he did not go down with that foot injury this past season, he would have been the first running back, I believe, since Carlos Hyde in 2019 to eclipse over 1,000 yards in rushing. But unfortunately, he only played 13 games and finished with 939. But outside of Damian Pierce, <laughs> in, the words of, who, in the words of escapes, who, who could you run to? Okay. Who can I run to? Like, plain and simple. You know that song. Who can I run to when I need love? I, I love that song, by the way. But, you know, the Texans did not have a number two running back. Now, we could sit here and talk about how they should have kept Marlon Mack and how they should have kept Eno right. Benjamin and all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, they did not. And in terms of this being a, a, a NFL, this being a league where you definitely have to have a number two running back. They definitely need a number two running back, especially more so a running back who can actually be a solid threat as a pass catcher coming out of the backfield. You heard D'Amico Ryans a couple of weeks ago. He said that he, he wants to give his quarterback an opportunity to put the ball in the hands of his playmaker. And if the play is not there, have the have the comfortability to check down to your pass catcher. And of course, that means you got to have a running back that you can rely on in the in, in, in the passing game. So, you know, the Texans, they need a lot of help on the offensive side of the ball at the end of the day. Offensive line, I think is solid, but of course, like the defensive side of the ball, you still need an opportunity to improve it, especially at center. No one knows what happens to Justin Britt, the biggest mystery of the 2022 campaign out of all 32 teams. But that is one position that I do believe that in terms of elevating the offensive line, you got to take care of your center position. And I, you know, I really understand where you're coming from when, I, when you look at the offensive side of the ball. I really do. They do lack a lot of talent, but I, that's why I started my statement by saying this offensive side of the ball, free agency pool, is underwhelming to me. There's guys that that are super older. Um, the per age of the players in the free agency pool is a couple of years older than on the defensive side of the ball. So I don't want a Houston to sign a bunch of older players, right? And then on top of that, it just seems like if you are going to invest money this year, then, yeah, you address the offensive side of the ball. Like, I really do think Houston should look at Jeff Wilson, who I think, you know, could be a possibility. But I also think that there's an opportunity for Houston to get better via a trade. Strictly looking at the free agency pool, Houston has to be able to stop the run. And you don't just necessarily upgrade with stopping the run strictly off the draft. You got to get a veteran in here that knows how to stop the run, be dominant up front. Those are some of the things that I think is important. And so, uh, again, I wouldn't be mad at this team if this if this team prioritized offensive side of the ball if the 
free agency pool for that side of the ball was better. I, I don't I don't really think there should be a big concern about age because when you take a look at the Texans, they're still a young team. And when you take a look at these positions, a lot of position has young talents where you want to give them the most opportunity to go out there on the field and showcase what you can do. However, in terms of the age that you have a problem with, I would say that wouldn't be a problem to me because when I take a look at even the older free agents that they can bring in, I still believe a lot of these guys can be more productive than uh, Chris Moore in the wide receiving court. No disrespect to Chris Moore. I think he's been a damn good find for the Houston Texans over the last few years. However, when you take a look at that wide receiving core, there is no way in hell you should be relying on Chris Moore as your number three at, at, on many occasions, your number two, sometimes your number one option, like the game against, against the Dallas Cowboys. He should not be your go-to number one receiver at any point throughout the season, uh, throughout the season. So that's why I say, you know, the Texans are in an interesting position because at the end of the day, this is still a team rebuilding, but I don't think they should allow age to be a factor. Looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Bill Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know my goal is to eat healthier this year. And if you like me and you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I got something right for you. I got something for you. One of these Built Bars. I wish I had one on me right now, but I just ate one for lunch. Alas, I got to order a new pack. You do not want to compromise the taste, but you still want it to taste good. I get it. And Bill Bar is the right way to go. What makes Bill Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And listen, they're unbelievably good with their unbelievable, unbelievable flavors like churro, my favorite flavor, the peanut butter brownie, the coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bill Bar does it, but they get it done. They understand the assignment and they get it done. Only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. So, if you're close to Sam's Club right now, go in and run in and get your 13 bar box with our hit flavors, brownie butter, brownie batter, excuse me, or the churro. Thank me later. Or you can visit BuiltBar.com. That's BuiltBar.com or swing by your local Sam's Club or Walmart. Welcome back in Locked On Texans listeners and viewers out there watching Pat Mahomes win on Sunday versus a mm. team that led the league in sacks and shout out to Creed Humphrey. Shout out to Orlando uh, uh, Orlando Jr. out there, man. Shout out to the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs because they did not allow a sack. And I believe they only allowed one QB hit in the second half. Shout out to those big boys up front. But watching Pat Mahomes win his second Super Bowl in, what, five years now? Uh, second Super Bowl MVP. And how he is about to make a real run at the GOAT. And I, I think you can make a, a case for him right now. Mm. Got me thinking. Well, we've seen Patrick Mahomes go up against, uh, you know, Jarboro. We've seen, you know, the we, we've seen every other the AFC West that re represented in, in the Super Bowl. We've seen the AFC North represented in the Super Bowl. We've seen... Um, the AFC East represented in the recent Super Bowl. Who have we seen? We haven't seen the AFC South <laughs> represented in a recent Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, the last time that he was even remotely close 
was the year the Jacksonville Jaguars had a Cinderella year. <laughs> they were this close from beating the, the definition Patriots. of a Cinderella year. Cinderella, <laughs> the next year, the slip fell completely <laughs> off, right? And then you got to go all the way back to 09, 14 years ago, to when we saw an AFC South team represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And you know what happened. And we know what Don't happened. Don't get it twisted, Wardy. Don't get it twisted, Wardy. You got to give him his time. You got to give him his moment. But it got me thinking, when will we see an AFC South team represent this division in the Super Bowl again, man? Honestly, I think soon. Could it be Houston? Could it be Houston? I, I think soon, man. You know, we started off the show. You know, we started off the show talking about building around a quarterback on a rookie contract, and Jacksonville got at least a step or two ahead of Texans as of right now. I mean, you saw how they was able to build around Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had a phenomenal sophomore campaign, especially the second half of the season. And, you know, if things keep going at some point, probably as early as this offseason, you're going to have a lot of people, especially on the offensive side of the ball, say, you know what, I want to go to Jacksonville and play with that quarterback. Now the Texans, you know, you know don't forget they got Calvin really in their trade. Oh, I he forgot is. about that. And he's yeah. coming back. So I mean, I, I think it's gonna be very soon in terms of how soon I would like to say it all it's going to come down between Jacksonville and the Texans because Indy, I don't know what the hell going on in Indy, and then Tennessee, they're starting to it's time for them to hit the reset button sooner rather than later. I was going to say something about Tennessee, man. I think Tennessee needs to get healthy, number one. They still have a very True, but Ryan Tannehill isn't the answer. That is where it gets. And now you got to take a look at the standpoint of in the AFC South. I mean, I don't know what Indy going to do, but, I mean, of course, we still don't know what the Texans going to do, but you're looking at a situation where Malik Willis might enter the season as the third-best quarterback in this division behind – um, Trevor Lawrence and perhaps CJ or Bryce. I'm taking both of those before I take Malik. And you know how, how much of a fan I was and still am of Malik Willis going going back to last season. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee is in a weird situation. Right now, Tennessee is in a situation that Indy has kind of been in, in the last couple of years. You hmm. still got the talent on that roster to compete. You just want to get better at this position and maybe upgrade another position. But you also your window of trying to get that upgrading is closing uh, by every second. But it's been a long time since the AFC South represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. I'm not going to jump the gun and say Houston is next, but I will say this: Trevor Lawrence. I believe, like I said early in the year, he's he's going to pull away with it. But I do believe under D'Amico, Houston within the next couple of seasons should be able to compete in this division. And if they're able to compete in this division, once you make it to the playoffs, we've seen Cinderella runs in the playoffs before. Maybe Houston can pull one of those out. How fun is that going to be? You know, the Texans and the Jags been at the bottom of this division for so long, and it's finally looking like those two are going to be the teams at the top of the division. Well, you know what? The, the reality of the situation is, before we get out of here, Houston actually wasn't at the you know, the bottom but, of the but division. But true contenders, like, if we go back and take a look at the last 10 years, how many times did we sit here and say, even when they was back-to-back AFC South champions, how many well, times could we truly say 
they got a shot to go to the Super Bowl, unlike when Indy was winning the division titles, unlike when Tennessee was winning the division titles. We just never thought, here, never we thought just Tennessee had a real shot to go to the Super Bowl. Really? Uh, never thought the one crazy year the Jags had. Ah, and there was a, there, a there was team. a chance, and once again, you're talking about questionable helpfulness for an individual Tom Brady. Don't want to get too much into that, but you know, I even that year it was like, okay, maybe Jacksonville can. I don't really think outside of what was that 2019 with the Texans, the year that Matt Schaub, if Matt Schaub doesn't get hurt, you may look at something different in history. Uh, they had a couple of years under matchup because of that defense and how that zone scheme was just, you know, killing the league. And then when I say b- the bottom of the league, the Texans won two divisions under Deshaun Watson, and it looked like but they were only going to get better. They lose that lead to, to, to Kansas City up 24-0. That was a moment where any real franchise would build <laughs> off of that. Not necessarily been the bottom of the – they haven't been the bottom of the division. Maybe the league, but the division, they've won some of these – you yeah, know, but like I say, like even when they was winning these division titles, it's in it, it was never like they're going to the Super Bowl or they the team to beat in the AFC, you know. Like I say, Indy, we know how dominant they was with Peyton Manning. It was like they are not only the team to beat in the AFC South, but they're the team to beat in the AFC, of course, when you add in the the, the Steelers and the, and the Patriots. But you know, Tennessee, I, I think they had their moments. Um, like I say, the only time I truly felt the Texans probably had a realistic opportunity to at least compete to get to the Super Bowl might have been what was that 2019 season when they went up 24 nothing on Kansas City. And I do believe they closed that out. You come back here for the AFC championship game against Tennessee, a team that you basically let into playoffs because that very last that very last game of the season, you set all of your starters. However, going back to that Matt Schaub year. You know the draft coming up, right, John? And you know that means we're going to have another another conversation on what they should have done to get a, a, a particular quarterback that probably would have improved your chances during that time when you had a damn good super, a uh, uh, good defense, when you had a, uh, a a good run game, when you had one of the greatest wide receivers in my eyes of all times. I don't give a damn how many times in the the the, the football Hall of Fame say no. That was a, a quarterback in two thousand six. You should have drafted, but you didn't, and that's why your ass in this in in this the in this in this situation today, but you know what? Let we ain't gonna go. get into that. There are moments in sports I'm not go. giving over. Vince Young should have been drafted by the Texans in 2006. I'm not letting it go. And you know we're gonna talk about it several times here on this You're show. Talk about it. I'm not the draft is over. I'm over. I guarantee you. You get this young. The 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 first part of the 2010 would have been different. Maybe you would have had a, a, a Vince Lombardi trophy or not. Who knows? But it would have been a hell of a lot better than Matt Schaub. That's no disrespect to Matt Schaub, but in my heart, I believe he should have been a Texan. Yeah, in your heart. But thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texas podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and also take time out of your day to subscribe to the Locked On Texans YouTube page. Once you subscribe, share it with your friends. Once y'all share it with each other, comment on the page. Let us know how we're doing and also talk back. What's going on with the Texans in your eyes? We want to hear about it. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.